Good morning. It's so good to have you guys today. My name is Eric Matoya, Pastor Grove. I haven't met you. I want to just introduce myself and thanks for coming. Uh, we are in week four of a series called Uncommon. It's a relationship series. And if you missed the last three weeks, I encourage you to go back and catch up online. Our website gives you directly where you can find those messages. You can watch them or listen to them. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this series. It's been really helpful. And hopefully to you guys give me some tools some principles uh, to help guide and, and shape those relationships that you have to be the best they can be. And uh, really the, the premise of the whole um, series is this, is that great relationships are possible. Your life, great relationships are possible, but they're not probable. What I mean by that is you can't just expect relationships to happen. In fact, we can say it like that. Great relationships don't just happen. They don't just all of a sudden you wake up one day and you have great relationships. It takes intentionality. It takes work. And there's some key things you can do. And so we're giving you some principles to be able to help you have great relationships. The verse that we're holding the whole series together is found in Romans 12. So Romans 12, Paul challenges the believers in Rome to live differently. And he says this. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. This is found in the New Living Translation uh, if, you're, if you're interested in what translation this is, New Living Translation, up on the left you can see that, NLT. That's what that means. And um, he's saying, don't, co- don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The scripture says there's, there's God's way and there's the world's way. And he gives us this, uh, in this, in this chapter, in this verse, he's saying, there's God's way of how he wants us to do things, and there's just the popular way. You just go with the flow, uh, do what everybody else does. Uh, but here's the thing, if you do what everybody else does, you'll get what everybody else gets. And if you want something different in your relationships, you need to learn, what is it going to take to get that different difference, right? What do I need to do? And Paul says, well, don't just copy, but let God transform you. Let God change you. Let God do something in you by changing the way you think. And notice, it's a, um, it's, it's a choice that we make to allow God to work in our lives. So you let God change you into a new person. He begins to let you change by, by the way you think. And he says, once you start doing that, then you'll learn to know God's will for your life, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you like to have some good, pleasing, and perfect relationships in this world? Wouldn't that be great? Well, he's saying it's possible. Yeah, it's possible to, to get that. So he's let, let God work in your lives to be able to get that. For some of you, that might sound like, well, that's just too good. I don't know if that's, you know, that's, that's even true, possible. Well, when you, when you live out the principles he does, uh, tells you to, you'll begin to see the results and get the results that he t- tells you you'll get. So he's saying, and, and this is my job every single Sunday is to try to give you some kind of principle, some kind of tool, some kind of application to be able to say this week, if you'll just do this one thing, you can begin to see improvements in, in your life and your relationships. Your job is to say, how do I apply this? What do I do with this? How can I begin to implement and live this out, right? And so, so God is saying, so, so I bring a new thought to you, hopefully, and you begin to say, okay, and out of that new thought now, how do I, how do I let that transform me and change me? And God empowers you to begin to know these principles to live out in a different way. But first, we need to be transformed by the way we think. All right, so we talk about uncommon love, uncommon commitment, uncommon com- uh, communication. Today we're going to talk about uncommon conflict. It's, it's a topic that all of us deal with, not every day, but a lot of the time, sometimes every day, uh, but uncommon conflict, right? Every single one of this room at some point will have a conflict in our lives. And so we're going to talk about what does it look like to have uncommon conflict? What does that look like to be able to, to, to fight in a, in a way that would actually benefit the person we're fighting with, right? Because uh, there's a healthy way to fight. And, and what I mean by fight is this, there's, there's two disagreements. Because um, the reason I say conflict is, 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 happens to everybody because we know it is in, inevitable, right? It's going to happen. Um, we know that it's, it's, it's going to take place because we know this, that every person is different. We're all different. You're different, which means each of us thinks differently. So that means I think slightly different than you think. Um, I speak differently than you speak when it comes to talking about things. Um, I process my mind and my thought, thought process is different than yours. And I respond differently than you. 
And so in, in any kind of situation, really conflict is saying, here's one idea, here's another idea, whose idea is going to win, right? And so the fight is, what, what's going to take place here? What's going to take place? And there's a healthy way to fight. There's a healthy way to, to have uh, conversations and arguments. And there's a very unhealthy way. Uh, the common way is, is a lot of times the unhealthy way. And God is saying, let me teach you a new way and uh, help you to, to think differently. So, so conflict is inevitable, right? It's going to happen. Uh, conflict is necessary. Here's why I say it's necessary. Conflict, if you actually view it this way, it actually helps you to see that, that uh, you could actually become better through conflict. Because conflict always tests the relationship. Whenever you're facing something, conflict always tests that relationship, right? How can we work through this? What's going to take place? Who's going to, who's going to win? And, and are we going to allow the best idea to win? And then conflict is always an opportunity. This is, I think, one of the, the things I see in Scripture that, that helps me so, be so encouraged is there's always an opportunity whenever there's two opposing ideas come together. There's always an opportunity to make peace. There's an opportunity for us to get better in our relationship, to our relationship to be better after this conflict is resolved, right? How can we do this? Um, and, and so we need to learn to, to be able to uh, process differently, think differently. Um, and because each of us are different, that means we have to understand that. We'll talk about that. Here's what I want you to know about conflict, right? This is probably maybe uh, the, the starting point we need, we need to start at because where you're starting from always determines the process to get to where you want to go. And so if you start at the right place, you'll know how long it's going to take and you'll know how much it's going to cost to get there. Um, if I'm going to take a flight from here to um, um, Chicago, I know exactly how long it's going to take me, how much it's going to cost, and how time, much time I have to plan for it, right? Where I'm starting from really is important to how to get there. Uh, if I'm going further, then I have to factor all that in. And so here's the starting point. I think we all need to start when it comes to conflict, right? The conflict that you're in, the conflict that you face is not about you, all right? Let me say it again. The conflict is not about you. We tend to think whenever there's any kind of issue, whenever any kind of conversation, argument, fight, uh, conflict, we tend to think it's about me, and you're challenging me, you're challenging my, um, my intellect, right, my intelligence, you're, you're challenging um, my, my character, and really what it is is, is we, we begin to take on this position that I need to fight for my rights, I need to fight for what I, what I think, I need to let them know exactly how I feel, how I think. But the truth is, it's not about you. Anytime there's a conflict, usually it takes two, at least two people, right, to be in a conflict. So it really means it's not about you. It's about the two of you or the three of you. And more, more specifically, it's about God with you, with them in, the moment, in these moments. So when we view conflict in that way, it's not about, hey, how can I win this, right? Because when I talk about conflict, a lot of you in this room are like, great. You're finally going to tell this person next to me how to, you know, how to, you're teaching me how to fix this person next to me, right? So we all think, right? Like, yes, give me the answers how to fix this person so our conflict could end and we can go on, go on with our lives. Honestly, um, that, that is one of the worst ways to approach conflicts because um, you're trying to solve something that a lot of times you can't solve, which is another person, another thing. And, and we're going to give you some tools to say, what, what, what is it you can focus on? Um, Kevin Myers, he's a pastor in the East, he says it like this, the problem with popular thinking is that it doesn't require you to think at all. The problem with popular thinking is that you just go, everybody else is thinking it, so it's easy to think it because everybody has the same thoughts. Sometimes popular thinking is correct, but a lot of times popular thinking is not correct. And the reason it's so dangerous is because we don't think at all. And Scripture, Romans pushes against that and says, hey, don't just go with the flow, but let God transform the way you think. And so if you're popular thinking, your way of thinking for a long time has been gloves are off, let's fight, they need to change and say, okay, this is not just about me. In this moment, it's about we. It's about God in the middle of this also. And more than that, it's who are we going to become after this conflict is resolved? Because if, if after the conflict, you're, you're going to become something in that relationship, better or worse, better or bitter. You're going to become um, smarter or you're going to become a little separated and divided. 
in that conversation, in that conflict, whatever it is you face, you're going to um, have a result on the end of that. So what are you trying to accomplish? When you think it's like you, you'll blame the other person, right? You'll avoid responsibility. You'll twist the truth to serve your own interests. You'll seek for others to join your side a lot of times, and you make it about you. But when you understand the conflict is not just about me, but we're trying to solve this, we're trying to get to something else, then you begin to view it a little differently. So let's talk about four causes of conflict, all right? When it comes to conflict, there, there's four um, major co- causes of conflict. The first one, poor communication. The last two is on communication. I think that message will help you. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but poor communication, right? In, in my marriage early on, I remember um, my wife and I, we got into a fight over toothpaste, all right? Toothpaste, people. Why would you fight with anybody about toothpaste, right? But it was a fight, like a real fight over toothpaste. And I remember in the middle of it, like finally I was like, why are we fighting about toothpaste? And the truth was the fight really wasn't about toothpaste. It was about some other stuff that built up to that one instant of toothpaste, right? Whatever, the, I don't remember what the fight was about, but it was, I don't know if the lid was off, the lid was on, the bottom was squeezed or the top was squeezed. I don't remember what the fight was about. But, you know, there's, you can find it, fight about, there's, you can find anything to fight about, right? And in this case, it was the toothpaste. But we learned very quickly, sometimes the fight really is not about that. That is not really the issue. There's an underlying issue that's going on. And in that case, the toothpaste was what brought, the, brought it to, like, was the tipping point. But really, it was some other stuff that took place earlier that day, earlier that week that we didn't deal with. And all of a sudden now, it was like, all right, the fight is on, right? And um, when you realize that poor communication sometimes just piles on more issues the way we speak. I heard a, I heard a, a, a guy, he told his wife, right, and Gentlemen, let me just teach you. So last week I gave you some things to say. Here's the thing you don't ever say, all right? He told his wife, in, in, in the middle of a conflict, in the middle of a fight, he says, how can you be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time? Not, not a good, are you with me, guys? Not a good thing to tell your wife, right? Or your spouse, significant other. And, and the wife says, well, let me tell you why, right? He, he, made, he, made, he made me so beautiful so you'd be attracted to me. And he made me so dumb so I'd be attracted to you because that's what it takes to be attracted to you right now because... You're so dumb. <laughs> so in conflict, <laughs> poor communication is not going to solve it, right? Name calling is not going to solve it, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Psalms 141 tells it like this. Um, he says it's a prayer. This might be a good prayer for you to pray if you struggle with responding too quickly in, in conflict. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips, right? So set a guard over my mouth. Keep, keep, like a door has hinges, so a door has the opportunity to open or close, right? So the idea is, God, help me to know when to open my mouth when I keep my mouth closed. God, help me in this great prayer. So you might want to memorize this and pray it very often, if you, especially if you struggle with speaking too quickly. But essentially, the psalmist is saying, our response really is not even to the other person. Our first response doesn't even mean to be to the person. Our first response needs to be to God. Say, God, help me in this moment. Help protect me. Help me to know when to speak, when not to speak. So poor communication says, I'm going to open up the door and say whatever comes to my mind, as fast as it comes to my mind, I'm just going to have it. I'm not going to explain anything. Uh, poor communication uh, just doesn't add to it. It causes conflict, right? Number two, unfulfilled expectations is another cause of conflict. Uh, we have expectations. In fact, in premarital counseling, this is one of the major things that I focus on when I'm helping couples before they get married, is I'm saying here's, here's what happens in, in relationships, is you have uh, an expectation, and then you have a reality, right? That reality bound, lands somewhere. So if the expectation is here and the reality is really low, then you have a big gap. And what we call that gap is frustration. And so the bigger the gap, the greater the frustration in that relationship. The, little, the smaller the gap, the less frustration. And if your reality is here, expectation comes in, it's like, all right, we're good. But then the, the goal really in relationships is not just to hit the expectation, but how can we go above the expectation? And now you have a, a better gap, which is this is awesome, right? This is a great relationship. 
How can we get there to that place? And so it's closing those gaps. Well, unfulfilled expectations is a big part of why we fight. In fact, James 4, 1 through 3, he tells it says it like this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So what are these fights all about? What's going on, right? Um, there's something going on. Don't, don't they come from, from something within you? It's a desire. So, so essentially, desire is, is at the heart of all conflict, a desire. It's a tug of war. It's like two boxers facing off, right? Like, man, somebody's going to win this fight. It's a battle. But really, he's saying it, these fights, it's really, it's, it's not even out externally. Like, we think conflict and fighting is externally, but he's saying there's something else going on internally. And you have to pay attention and realize that something is happening inside of you in the middle of this. And the way you respond is because of what's on the inside. Is they, they come from the desires of battle within you. You want something, but you don't get it. In fact, this is where all, all anger comes from. It's an unfulfilled expectation, unmet expectation. You wanted something, but you didn't get it, so now you're upset and you're mad. You're frustrated. You're angry, right? Whatever that looks like in your, in your life, when you're driving down the road, when you're at work, when something is not, somebody's not doing something you want them to do, you get frustrated. You get angry. It's a desire within you. And he says, um, you want something, but you don't get it. So then what happens? You kill and you covet. You, you work externally, but you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. So there's these desires in, within us, and if we don't guard them and watch them, they actually can get us in more trouble, and they will actually just make the conflict worse than actually to, to help it um, be resolved, right? And a lot of times in, in relationships, um, we're expecting something from others that they can't even give us sometimes. Like, I'm very careful not to put expectations on my wife that she cannot even fulfill in my life. Like, if I do that, I sit up for failure, right? Like, one, one, one um, untrue statement people make is, you complete me in life. Well, she doesn't complete me. She can never complete me. She adds value to my life. She brings some differences to my life that help me to, to, to have balance, but she can never complete me. And if, if I put that expectation on her, I'm already setting up a relationship for, for failure because I'm saying I'm expecting you to do something that you don't even sometimes know what to do and can't do ultimately. Only God can do that. Only God can really help me understand really what's going on, on the inside. And so a lot of times we need, we're expecting others to do what only God can do. And when we understand this, we actually can change, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So we have poor communication. We have unfulfilled expectations. And the third thing for the cause of, of, of conflict is despising differences. We despise the differences in others. Like if, if, you're, if you're married, when you first started dating, or maybe you're dating now, like the, the, the fact that they're different from you is very attractive, right? So the differences are very attractive in the beginning. But after you've been married for a while, 18 years or so, uh, they begin to start sometimes be the thing that annoys you the most, right? So... Uh, one of you is hot, one of you is cold. When you're dating, it's like, oh, you're so, you cool me down, you warm me up, it's so awesome. And then when you've been married for 18 years, like your feet are freezing, they put your, like, warm my feet, and, oh, your feet are freezing, get your feet off of me, right? One's very organized and planned, and the other one's very spontaneous. And in dating, it's like, you're so much fun, you're so spontaneous, I love it, right? And like, oh, you help me to be so organized, it's so nice. And then when you're married, after a while, it's like, why can't you be like me, right? You're so spontaneous, I hate that, right? Can't we ever have a plan and just stick to it? Like, why do we have to have, go off course all the time? And the thing that you loved about the person now becomes the thing that actually can drive you crazy. Humor, right? Being serious. All those things. Um, whatever is the way we communicate. But we begin to despise the differences rather than celebrate them like we first did. And a lot of times, the differences we love becomes the things that irritate us. And, and we don't value them anymore. Um, and the truth is, when, in, in my relationships with my wife, with my kids, with, with, my, with the team, whoever it is, we need differences, Right? In, in, in sports teams, we see this. You don't need all of the same player because then the team wouldn't be good. But the, the, diff, the, the more diverse the team is and the, the, the more difference the, str- the strengths they have, like, like one has to be big to be able to block, one has to be fast so they, 
the big guys don't kill the fast the little guy, right? You have to have differences so you can score points and you can and, and it's, it brings diversity and brings strength. But in relationships, a lot of times we think differences are actually bad, but they're good. Um, they make us better. So we don't need two of Eric in, in, in any relationship. I need, I need somebody else to bring me some different perspective to make me better, to help me get better. In fact, even, even when it comes to our country right now, you know, politics, we're very divided. And, and we're very extreme and polarized, and, and polarizing the, 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 the ideas that, that are coming out. And there's two extremes. And what happens instead of um, seeing the differences as sometimes a positive, we see them as a negative. And it's like if you don't think like me, you're, you're the enemy. Um, you're Satan, you're the devil, right? And if, if you don't think like me, then you're the, you're the enemy. And, and there's no value there. But our country was actually built on this idea that there's going to be two different ideas that are going to always be there. And aggregation, right? The, the, the balance of the two will eventually get there. So it's not your idea versus my idea. It's, it's I'm, my idea is going to win, your idea is going to lose. It's rather, hey, let's figure out a way to have a better idea. That's what our country is built around. That's why it's so, so strong is because, and, and now we're not built like that. We're divided. Um, and in relationships, if you're ever in a place where you don't celebrate or recognize the differences, you'll never be able to find a better answer. You'll only keep getting your answers over and over and over. And you'll, you'll, you always think like it's better, but sometimes it's not. Maybe there's a better way to do it. So let's find a di- better idea. Even in our country, um, let's, let's do, do something to be able to bring some unity, right? We're, we're, supposed, we're supposed to be the United States of America, not the divided states, not the divided parties. But how can we be united in thought? Well, it's one, celebrating the differences. They see, they see it differently than we do. Let's figure out a way to see it better together, right? Let's work on that. Uh, let's, let's allow that to happen. And when it comes to politics, I'll just say this. I don't really ever get into politics, but, you know, there's, there's elections coming up for our own city. Like, a lot of people have an opinion about politics, like why they shouldn't be doing that, why they should be doing that. But here's the thing about politics. Your opinion doesn't matter. Your vote does. And if you don't vote, you don't make a difference. So if, if your elections ever come up and you have an opportunity to speak into that, speak into it research it figure out who who it is that that you really want to bring the different changes you want to see in our city and then go vote accordingly all right because your vote it matters um and and the only way you'll be able to change our country is by getting out and voting right so when that happens make sure you vote um jesus says this about about relationships about politics even about about families about relationships is in mark three twenty five that a house that is divided what it cannot stand a divided house Will, will be a separated house, and it'll be, it will not be able to stand. So a house that is divided against itself, that, that house cannot stand. Um, so essentially we've got to say, you know what, I don't understand how you see it that way, uh, but we're, if we're going to resolve this conflict, I have to begin to try to understand. I have to begin to, to, to try to figure out what's going on. I need to recognize the differences that are there, and in some cases I need to celebrate those differences and, and be thankful for them. So we have poor communication as a cause. We have unfulfilled expectations. We have despising differences. And the, and the fourth one would be, the, I would say, the biblical, maybe the most important one, is the sin nature issue that causes conflict. What that means is we're a fallen uh, race. We, we have, we, we've sinned. We've all messed up. And, and a lot of times the issue is that we don't deal with that issue and we don't recognize that issue in our lives is that we're not perfect people. We all make mistakes. We've all messed up. I have issues. You have issues. And when I don't understand that I can come to a conflict, I come in thinking I am know-it-all and have all the answers and I forget my flaws. I forget my... Um, my frailty, my, my issues. And so we have to understand sin nature and our selfishness always a lot of times causes conflict to be worse and causes conflict to happen. Romans 3.23 says that about all of us. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You've sinned. I've sinned. So Paul says we're sinners. We've, we've broken God's standards. We've messed up at some point in our lives. And because of that, we have, there's a sin nature that, that pulls us towards our own desires, our own selfishness. That's what James was referring to, right? 
There's desires within us that rage in battle that we want our own way, and we need to deal with that. And so, essentially, I would say that when it, when it comes to conflict, we always have to leave room. When we understand that there's a sin nature, we always have to leave room for something to happen on the inside of us and on the inside of somebody else. Like, God, you have to work in the middle of this. Um, it's not, God, fix this person, make them finally agree with me. It's, it's no, let's leave room for God to work in our lives. So here's uh, four, there's four ways to deal with conflict, all right? And maybe you can find your way, right? Let's, let's figure out what, what way is your way. Maybe it's the first one. Four ways to deal with conflict. Number one, my way. Is that your way? It's like, well, I'm the smart one in the room. Just listen to me. Follow my lead, right? I'll just tell you where to go, what to do, and we'll be done with it. And so my way um, becomes a lot of times the way that we think. Like, I know, I, if we're going to fix this conflict, just, it's going to be my way. My way or the highway, we're going we're gonna to go on. We're not going to... Um, um, Whatever, it was never fix it. So if it's your way, you're, you're happy 100% of the time because you're the boss and you're the one in charge and you do it. Everybody else is happy 0% of the time, right? Because you're the one making the decision. So then maybe it's the second way. Uh, okay, we're going to deal with conflict by doing it your way, right? Your way is, is usually done for the sake of peace. Like, all right, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm, I'm done. Let's just do what you want to do. Let's forget about it. And we, we, we call it peace make, uh, peacekeeping, right? Well, let's just do this to keep the peace, all right? I'll just, I'll just do it. Here's the problem, though. If, if, you're the, if you're the one that's um, saying, I'm, I'm going to let you just do what you want to do, then you're, you're not happy a lot of the times because you're, you're actually re- will resent that person and be mad if they're not, they're not doing it your way, even though you're just saying, let's do it your way. But, but it, it doesn't ha- make a healthy relationship. So a lot of people think, well, all right, so then if it's not my way or your way, maybe it's in the middle, right? Let's go halfway. Well, the problem with halfway is now you're only happy half, half the time, right? So 50% of the time I'm going to be happy. 50% of the time I'm going to be mad. So if it's your 50% to be happy, that's a great day. But if it's your 50% to be mad, it's like, that's not a good day, right? So it doesn't really solve it. So I'm going to give what I think is the most important way. And the way that I would, I would challenge you guys to, to begin to uh, deal with conflict is the fourth way is, is this. It's God's way. God's way. God's way is different, all right? God's way, it really is, is, is stating the fact that God's desire for us to deal with conflict is by not focusing. Well, let me say it like this. God's desire for us to deal with conflict is by focusing on the, per- the only person that we can change. You know what that is? Ourselves. You can't change another person. So God's way is always, let's, let's focus on the person that you can. Let's focus on things you can change. Who is that? Oh, by the way, it's you, right? Not the other person. See, we tend to pray, God, would you fix them? God, would you fix that? Would you do this? And we tend to say, God, would you, would you help us escape our circumstances or change our circumstances? Well, a lot of times it's God to say, no, no, I want to change you in the middle of this. Even when it's, not, when it's not healthy, when it's not good, I want to do something in your life. God's way is always saying, all right, it's internally, not externally. See, too many times people want, it's like going, it's like going to the doctor, right? You, you, have, you have symptoms, and they can give you some medicine to help you feel a little better. But if you don't deal with, the, with the, the greater issue, you'll never be well. You'll never be healed. You'll always just be dealing with the symptoms, and you'll never be able to fix it. And too many times in relationships, we try just to deal with the symptoms, and we don't really go deeper. God's way is saying, hey, if we're going to solve this, if we're going to have relationships, we're going to fix this, we have to go internally. We have to go inside and look at this. Let, let, let God do his work inside of us. In fact, what Paul is saying, the, a renewed mind, right? We have to let God change the way we think. It's about going internally. It's about the way we see things. Because um, the truth is God's way is making peace, not keeping peace. See, uh, like I talked about halfway or your way, right? That's the peacekeepers. Too many people are like, oh, let's just do it for the sake of, sake of peace. Keep, keep the peace. It's a false peace. Um, it's not really true. Peacemaking means we're going to do the hard work to solve this so we can actually have peace between us. Um, we need to figure out how to do that. So a renewed mind 
Uh, it results in, in specific habits and practices that we test and prove God's will over time. So God challenges you, hey, instead of doing this, why don't you do this? And then you try it, and you're like, wow, that actually works. Now it's going to become part of the way I do things. It's going to be a habit. It's going to be a practice. And then we begin to, to, to see that God leads us to test and approve the things that he wants so we can have a good, pleasing, and perfect will in our life that God has for us, right? That we begin to see that live out. We prove God's work. So it's the principles God has saying, how do you live these out? How do I, how do, I do this? It's not about knowing more. It's not just about temporary relief. It's about being healthy, getting healthy, so you can do the right things so you have healthy relationships, right? So I, I heard a story about these two brothers who had a little bit of conflict in their life, maybe a lot of conflict, all right? And here, here's the reason they had so much conflict is, is their, their parents passed away, and they left, the father left some land to the two brothers, a really big piece of land, and he left it to the, father, to the sons. But the, the dad never specified exactly how the, the land should be divided. So the two brothers were fighting, you know, like, here's the land, and there's this one part of the land that's really nice, and this part's a little bigger, but it's not as nice. But it's this, and so they're, they're arguing and fighting, and they can't come to a resolution. So they say, you know what, there's this really smart, wise man in town, in our community. Let's go talk to him. Maybe he can help us. So one day they go to the wise man. They say, hey, here's our issue. Our father left us the land. We can't decide how to do it. Can you help us solve this conflict, this issue? So the man says, yeah, let me think about it. Come back tomorrow, and I'll, we'll talk. So the next day, the, the two, two brothers could return back to the wise man to give, so he give his, his solution. And he says, okay, here's my solution. He says, here's a coin. He gives it to the older brother. He says, and he says, uh, you flip the coin, all right? And the other brother, he says, you, you call it, all right? And when the coin lands, the one who wins gets to divide the land. And the brother's like, whoa, 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 that's not going to solve the issue. And he says, he says it's not going to work. He says, no, no. He says, no, listen. He says, here's what happens. The one who wins the toss divides the land but the other gets the first choice god's way is kind of like this it goes internally and it goes far far reaching into the future so he's trying to teach us something that says okay you're going to make the choice but you're going to one day live with this choice so make sure you make a choice that you will want to live with i think there's a beautiful solution to an issue right so one is dividing it but the other one gets to choose first it's like if the first brother is is greedy and divides it so he can get a really nice piece and gets more of it, but his brother gets to choose first, it's like, well, he's going to get that piece, right? So let's do this in a way that we both will be kind of satisfied. It challenges us. I would say this is, and, and a lot of times this has nothing to do with halfway. That kind of sounds like halfway. It's not. It's the better way. It's saying, what is the best possible solution to the issue that we have at hand? How can we move beyond this? What can, I, what can we do with this? Wisdom says, live in such a way, react in such a way that you can live with the way that you reacted. Live in the, with the solution that you, you came up with. Now, if, if, this, if, if the fight ends with you both hating each other, you live with that, and you have to move forward with that. But you have to make the choice on the inside, how am I going to do this? And, and when we look at Scripture, even Jesus, he talks about when, when, when we're looking at other people's lives, you have the issue. He says, don't, don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye. It's just saying, so if there's an issue in your brother's life, look at yourself before you look at them. I would say it like this. Examination starts with the assumption that there's a plank in our own eye before we begin to try to fix somebody else's eye speck in their eye so in, in conflict right just make an assumption in this conflict there's something in my life that needs most likely needs to change what is that what is the thing in my thing that i'm not in my life in my eye that i'm not seeing what am i blinded to and you know what really only god can sometimes help you see that and know what's really going on um so james let's read the rest of what james says so james says this what causes fights and quarrels among you right the, the conflict that you have don't they come from your desires that battle within you? There's desires there. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet. 
and you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. And then he says, goes on and says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. He says, Here, here's your issue. You're, you're trying to solve all your stuff through your own desires, through your own, your own will, what you want. He says, but you don't have it because you haven't asked God. And he points us and says, the first person you need to go to is God. And then he says, for those of you who do ask God, you don't have it, right? He says, when you do ask, you don't receive. You, nothing is solved because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So he's saying, you, when we go to ask God to fix the person or fix the solution, we have wrong motives of saying, I just want this to be easy for me. Take away the discomfort. Make it go away so I can, I can have peace. I can have joy and happiness. It's about me. He's saying, you have the wrong motives. There's a greater reason to be able to, to, to solve these issues and conflicts. And, and, and James is pointing to it. He's saying, it's got, you have to go internally. What's going on, on the inside? What are those motives? What are those desires that God is saying, those are out of place, those aren't right? Why? Because he knows if you make a choice out of the wrong motives, it's going to lead you down to a, a decision down the path that you're not going to be happy with anyways. And a lot of us in life make decisions, right, in conflicts. We'll fight these fights and these battles or whatever, and we'll make choices and decisions to, to, to get temporary relief or temporary pleasure. And then down the road, we realize, like, oh, man, it wasn't even worth it. Like, that's not even what I really wanted in the first place. There's something else going on. If I look in the scripture, right away off the bat in Genesis, we see Adam and Eve. We see um, when, when they break God's rules, right? They, he says, all right, here's, here's what I want you to do. He gives them some context, what to do. Well, they break it. And what does God do after they break it? He comes to them in person and says, hey, guys, what's going on? And here's the, one of the first conflicts we see, right? One of the first issues that God's trying to solve with somebody. There's a conflict there, the way they see it, the way he sees it. And what do they do? They, they don't go internally and say, hey, there's an issue in my life. I made the right, wrong choice. They go externally and they blame each other. They blame the serpent, but they never take responsibility for it. And God is saying, if you're going to re- resolve conflict in a healthy way, you have to first go internally. You have to look at yourself. So Adam and Eve have kids, Cain and Abel, their first two boys. And uh, Cain and Abel, Cain, he, he gets really mad at, at uh, his brother Abel because God accepts his offering, but he rejects Cain's offering. So Cain gets really upset, and God shows up with Cain and talks to him. He says, hey, Cain, what's going on? He says, don't you know if you do what is right, you, will you not be accepted? And he asks him a question. He says, but if you do not do what's right, sin, and this is what he says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And he, and he warns Cain. He says, Cain, there's, there's two ways to approach this, right? There's your way. There's my way. If you will listen and do what's right, man, I'll help you solve this issue. But if you don't, sin is like it's crouching, like, a, like an enemy, like a lion that's ready. When you come out that door, it's going to pounce on you. That anger, that unfulfilled expectation is going to be overwhelming to you, and you're going to react in a way that's going to cause destruction. And he warns him, and he says, here's how you handle the conflict, Cain. And Cain ignores God's advice, does his own thing, kills his brother he takes it in his own hands with a stone and he kills his brother and then the rest of his story is not good because now he has to live with what sin produces and what our own desires produce right selfishness he's alone he's, he doesn't have a brother his family separated from his family sin brings death the bible says um, and he says in the, in the middle of this so broken relationships we see off the bat right away when, when you don't deal with conflict correctly you have broken relationships because that's what sin does and a lot of times it's our sin nature that's pushing us towards those selfish decisions. Um, Adam and Eve, for them, they made a decision, and, and sin demanded, they demanded equality with God rather than community. God's way of saying, you don't understand all this, but I'll help you to understand this. But they said, no, I'm going to take it in my own hands, do my own thing. I, I want to do what I think is fair, what I think is right. And it didn't produce what they wanted. And God said, if you just trusted me, I would have led you on this path that would have been really good for you. In fact, sometimes it seems really hard, this path. 
But when you get there, the climb is so worth it because you'll turn around and say, wow, you brought me a long, long way. And God, he desires to, to help us on that. Um, so really, before you try to resolve anything with the other person, God needs to do work inside of our lives first. Right? God, God, would you do work in my thing? Um, and, and here's the, the, the truth is this principle of life of saying, God, work in me first, it actually frees us right, um, to be better. It, it helps us to become the, the person we need to become. It, it guards our heart. Um, and it's a lot of times, many of us have trapped ourselves in conflict because we said, we're not going to change, we're not going to move, we're not going to do anything until they change or until they move or until they act. And we've allowed other people to dictate our happiness, our joy, right, our, our, our choices in life because now it's at a, it's a stalemate. We're waiting for them to move and they're not moving, we're not moving. And instead of moving in freedom, now we're actually a prisoner to our own choice and desire. And I will not be okay until they are okay, until they make this okay. I will not be fine until they make it. And a lot of times, they have the control of your life, not you. So here, here's the good news about, about conflict, about um, the issues that come up in our life. Conflict, it cannot continue without your participation. You have to make a choice. The conflict that you're in, it cannot continue without your participation. So when, when it comes to handling conflict, right, um, if, if you want to continue to fight, you continue on. You, you, you participate in that conflict. But if you want to resolve it, now you have to say, okay, I'm not going to just have conflict for conflict. I'm going to begin to try to figure out how to resolve this. And it cannot continue if you don't participate. So the choice is I'm not, I, I'm not going to wait on you to decide. I'm not going to wait on you to ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to wait for you to do what you need to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do. God, search me first, right? Show me where I'm messing up. Show me where I'm, I'm not, not there completely and work in my life. See, a lot of relationships, a lot of couples, they don't act first because they're waiting for the other person to act. And God is saying, hey, let's start with you. What do you need to change? What do you need to go? Because um, he knows what's not going to work. He knows what's going to work. In fact, as, as Jesus followers, you know, as a, as a church, we follow Jesus. We're Christians. And what it would, Paul tells us in, in Galatians that he says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So he's saying, I'm, I'm putting to death my, my flesh. I'm putting to death that, that former ways of thinking. It's a daily process. What's what it means to be a, a Christian, a Christ follower, a Jesus follower? Say, I today I'm putting my desires to death. I'm crucifying my desires, right? So that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And Paul gives us the tools and the principles to say this is what it means to be a Christ follower. Is you 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 don't choose to participate in the old way of doing things. You choose to do what's right. God help me to have the right desires. Help, you live through me to make a difference in my world. So in the relationships I have, I don't have to just respond like everybody else responds. I don't have to continue on the conflict like everybody else continues because I don't have to participate. So here's, let me give you four ways. Um, essentially, I'm killing my expectations. Uh, four ways to responses, right? This could be like um, um, rules of engagement when it comes to conflict. Number one, you have to choose that you'll act, not react. So I will, I will act in this conflict. I'll choose my actions. I'm not going to just react. Too many times in conflict... It's, it's one reaction after the other reaction, and after another reaction. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. But one author calls it the crazy cycle, right? So one person says something that's not good. The next person says something that's, not even, that, that's worse. The next person says, I'm going to raise your worst to even worse. And what happens, you get on this little crazy cycle that you can't get off because now it's just words flying and it's emotions, right? Because they're reacting to what was said. And remember, you have to choose to say, it's, it's not about me in this moment. It's about what, I'm, what we're trying to accomplish at, in this relationship, right? in this company, in this, in this marriage, whatever it is. So there has to be some, 
um, what I would call um, um, the, the first law of peace is prior agreement. So you have to have some, some like agreements that you make when it comes to conflicts that you're going to have in life. Um, and that, that's where we have to begin to, to, to figure out. So Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says it like this. This is some good guidelines for us to begin to think about how to act and not react. In your anger, do not sin. So Paul is saying anger is not sin. He's not saying anger is sin. He's saying when you get angry, when those unmet expectations are unfulfilled, don't, let, don't act out of the anger, out of the frustration. But rather, he's saying don't, don't, don't let give away to, to your anger. He's, in fact, he says don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Like deal with those issues, right? Choose to do something. Um, and he says the reason why is don't give a, 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 do not give the devil a foothold in your life. When you don't deal with this correctly, you actually allow room for the enemy to come and mess with your life. You're giving a foothold to him. So you have to have some agreements. So in my, in my life, with, with, with sincerity, there's some things that I've just decided that I will not do when it, comes to, when it comes to conflict, right? When there's issues, for me, number one is, is never put it off. Like I just choose not to put it off, right? The, the, the scripture says don't let, a, let the sun go down while you're still angry. Deal with it. Talk about it. Um, a lot of issues in relationships is because there's too many sons have gone down over and over without dealing with the issues. And they get worse. And, and we think by ignoring them, they're getting better, but they're not. You have to learn to deal with them. The second one is, is never call names. So never call names. Now, we talked about this last week, right? Our words are powerful. They, they, this is parents even to kids. Like, like don't call kid, your kids names. You're going to actually create that in them. And so, you know, but you understand, they, they just, they get on my nerves and make me so mad. You're speaking something to their life that's going to come back in a negative way. You call somebody stupid enough times, you'll eventually get a stupid person. Because when they're around you, that's all they're going to think is, I'm stupid, so I'm not going to respond well. So you get what you spoke, right? Rather, the Bible says, why don't you speak things that aren't as they are? And I know you're not really doing all that right now, but I, I believe in you. I know you have good things that, that will come. So don't call names. Just, don't, just choose not to say, I'm not going to go negative with this, with these, with this conflict. Because um, it will come true. Third one is never raise your voice. Just make a decision. Last week we talked about that. When, you're, when your, blood, when your um, heartbeat gets above a certain um, number, you no longer are thinking rationally, right? And when we raise our voice and the, and the volume goes up, the emotions go up, and all, the, all of our ability to think straight goes away. And so don't raise your voice. Learn just to say, in conflict, I'm not going to be the one. In fact, I heard one, one guy tell me, one, one country in the East, they actually say the first person to yell is the loser. <laughs> so if you get the person to yell, like you win the battle, right? It's like, uh, that's the best way to think about it. But if you raise your voice, you just lost the conflict. Uh, never get his, <laughs> historical. All right? I didn't say hysterical. That's part of raising your voice. Historical. Don't go back and drag all the past back into this conflict. Deal with this conflict first, right? When you start dragging all of the other issues in your relationship into it, you only bog it down. You can't, you can't move forward. And if it applies to it, then talk about it. But deal with this one and then go back and deal with those other ones that you haven't dealt with, obviously, yet. So don't get his, historical, right? The, fourth, the last thing is this. Never say never or always. Actually, it's not the last one. Uh, never say never or always. Nobody never always does something or never does something. But we tend in relationships to say that to other people. You never do this. That's not true. They didn't do it this time, but remember two weeks ago they did? You always do this. No, they did this time, but remember that last time they didn't do that one, right? So don't, don't tend to stay away from those words. Uh, never threaten divorce. Never use threats at all in relationships. Because um, what happens is, is you can't fight fair. You can't fight right if you think that the person is always going to bail. So don't, don't use that as a threat. Like, I'm out of here if this doesn't go my way. It's a threat. And it doesn't create a, a safe environment to be able to really deal with conflict, all right? Uh, says the first one, you have, to, you have to act, not react. The second one is this, I will focus on the good things in you. 
So another part of, I think, what God's way would say is, hey, instead of just focus on what's wrong, can you find something that's good? Uh, Paul tells in Philippians, he wrote this while he was in prison. So he's even saying, hey, I'm in prison, but I'm going to show you how to do this in, in life, right? I'm not going to focus on the bad. I'm going to focus on the good. Great book. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, what do you do? You think about these things. In a conflict, if you can bring the good out, if you can recognize and remember the good in, in what's taking place, you'll actually be able to, um, to grow through this. Um, you might say, well, you don't know the person. Like, there's nothing good about them. No, there is. You might have to search really hard, but I guarantee if you look, you'll, you'll find something. And begin to think on the good. Let God help you, right? What's interesting about this verse is the next verse says, and then when you do this, when you do this in, in your conflicts, then the God of peace will guard your heart. So he's saying, Paul's saying, when you focus on the good rather than the bad, you're actually helping yourself. You're helping, you're helping yourself to see something that others don't see. You're helping yourself to be protected, to be able to walk through that conflict in a healthy way. So when you get to the other side, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I walked that way. It's good. All right, so the third thing is this. I will apply God's grace to you. All right, I'm going to apply God's grace to somebody else, to the other person. We, we, we want God's grace for ourselves, but a lot of times we don't give that same grace to others. Like we want a different standard for us and we hold people to a different standard that doesn't apply to, apply to us, right? It's like, man, I'm so grateful God helps me in my, with my struggles, my issues, but man, they don't deserve it. Like they should know better, right? And, and we judge ourselves on our intentions, but we judge others on their actions, right? We have to begin to say, all right, I'm going to apply the same grace uh, to you. There's, um, there's a, a story in the Bible that Jesus talks about this, this Pharisee, this man who comes to pray. And his prayer starts off like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Especially like that tax collector. That guy's horrible. And his prayer to God was about how he's not like everybody else. And it says the tax collector, who was the sinner, he kneeled before God in humility and said, God, forgive me. Beat his breast. I'm not even worthy to pray to you. I'm not even worthy to be here. But God, would you forgive me for my many sins? And Jesus says, you know what prayer God heard? It was the tax collector, not the religious Pharisee. He was saying, pay attention. Don't, don't put a sin on somebody else that you don't want for yourself. Uh, examination starts. Remember, when there's assumption, there's a plank in our own eye. Uh, Romans 12, 19 to 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God. For it is written, this is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Even when the other person is wrong, he's saying leave room for God to deal with it. On the contrary, he gives us the, the answers. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Yay, we get to heap burning coals on our enemy's head. No, that just means, the idea there is you're going to actually usher some of God's kingdom into this situation. So the first time we get burning coals in the Bible, it represents the presence of God. So when you do something good for others, you're actually saying, I want heaven to be in this conflict. I want heaven to be in this moment. And he gives us the solution. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. So you don't overcome power with more power. You don't overcome yelling with more yelling. You don't win a fight with, with more fighting, right? You win them by saying, I'm going to overcome this with good. Um, essentially, you're saying, God, I'm going to go to you first. God, I need your help in this. And the last one I would say is this. The fourth thing is, is this. I will remember God's grace to me. That in the middle of all this, when you're in a, a tense situation, when you're in conflict, when you're in fighting, remember that God has something for you. Like he wants you to become better through this. Like you're going through something, but there's, there's an opportunity for you to grow there's an opportunity for this relationship to grow. There's an opportunity for, for us to get better if, we will, if we'll go through that. Because God gives us the capacity to be able to do for others what we, we don't think we can, what he's done for us, 
right? He empowers us to do this. So remember, the conflict is not about you. It's about us. It's about we. It's about your family. It's about your, the workplace. The conflict is not just about you. When you make it personal, you make it just about you, you don't solve anything. All you solve is me being the most important in this room. But it's not. We bring our differences. And really, it's about bringing our differences and saying, God, how can you help me to walk through this, right? You lead. I'll follow you. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve would have applied this principle or, or Cain, Cain would have listened to God? God, I go to you first. You teach me. There would not have been the death in those relationships. There would not have been death to his brother. Something would have changed. So James 3.17, one with this, he says it like this. When you go to God first, right, the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And then notice the, the phrase he uses, peacemakers who sow in peace, they reap a harvest of righteousness. In your conflicts, if you're a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, that's like for the sake of peace, we're just going to keep the peace. Peacemaker is saying, we're going to do the hard work to be able to resolve this. And when peacemakers sow in peace, they reap what? A harvest of righteousness, which means down the road in your relationships, you have healthy relationships because you did the hard work to get there. So here's my challenge for today, all right? If you want to have uncommon conflict, you want to have uncommon relationships, you need to go God first. Go to God first. It's a daily practice of saying, God, I, I need to crucify and kill my desires so you can help me have the right desires. So you can show me how to walk this life. How can I have better relationships? So you say, God, I'm going to you first. Change me. How many I think differently? How many to think new? Reading scripture is a, a big part of that. Coming to church is a big part of that. Our prayer praying is a big part of that. Saying, God, how can you do this? Really, there's two options when it comes to conflict. There's the way of pride. It's about me. Or there's the way of humility. It's about we. It's about what God wants to do. The choice is yours. When you're in conflict, what are you going to choose? My way or God's way? God, am I going to humble myself and trust you in the middle of this? Am I going to really trust you? Am I going to use these opportunities to build up others or am I going to use these opportunities to tear others down? Uncommon conflict says, God, you first. Work in me. Help me to solve what's going on. All right? Awesome. My prayer for you guys is, uh, as, as we pray today is that um, you would be able to walk this out. I can, if, if you can only imagine what your life would look, look like and, and our week would look like, if we'd say, God, help me to be this kind of person. It doesn't just focus on me, but says, what do you want to do through this? What do you want to change in me through this, this opportunity? As we end our service day, I want to give an opportunity for those in the room that you've come today, and maybe you heard Dane, you say, you know what? You're talking about all this is great, but honestly, my life is just falling apart. Like, um, I, uh, what, what you're talking about actually has impacted me in a way that says that, Things aren't working, and this only points out why. Well, the Bible says the reason Jesus came to earth is so that he can resolve the conflict that we have with God. Like there's an issue because of sin that separates us from God. In our sin, which we've all sinned, it brings destruction and death to our relationships. And God says if you don't deal with that issue first, you won't be able to deal with the other issues. They'll only compound, they'll only be worse because of our own issues in our side, inside ourselves. And God says deal with those first. So if you're here today... You've never dealt with those. Like you're saying, I don't even have a relationship with God. I don't know God, but I'd like to. I'd love to start you on that journey today. Give you the opportunity to say, God, I need your help in this life. Would you help me? Would you lead me? So today as we end our service, I want to give that opportunity. Would you do me a favor? Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end. If that's you today and you, you would um, be courageous enough to say, God, I, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I'll give you an opportunity to raise your hand in a second. And I'm not going to call you down to the front, but just right there in your seat, lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of invitation saying, God, forgive me, God, help me. 
The Bible says that if you realize you're going the wrong direction and you'll stop and you'll turn to God, he'll lead you. If you'll choose the path of humility, saying, God, I cannot do it without you. Forgive me of the wrong way. Help me to go the right way. And he responds with grace. Pride is saying, I'm going to go my way and keep doing my other things. God is saying, no, choose my way, humility. That you can't do it on your own. You need others in your life. You need me in your life to help you. So if you're here today, if that's you, would you uh, raise your hand right now? Just high in the air so I can, I can see it, recognize it. Awesome, I see some hands. God, I go to you first. Awesome. Anybody else? Quite a few hands went up. God, I can't do it without you. Awesome, so proud of you guys to raise your hands. Honestly, you're not raising your hand to me, you're raising to God, saying, God, I go to you first. That's what it means to, to go to him first on a daily basis. God, I can't do it without you. If you're in this room and you're a, a Jesus follower, would you pray with us so those, those that raise their hand are not praying alone? Say this prayer with me. Say, say, Father God, today I acknowledge and I admit that I cannot do this life without you. Forgive me of my past, of my sin, of my decisions that have kept me from you. Today, I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I can have a relationship with you. Thank you that he's alive today with good plans for my life. I confess him as Lord right now. I confess Jesus as Lord in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.